Alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You are now tuned in to the Loose Murto podcast series, and thank you for listening. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. This is Sammy, and you are listening to the Loose Murto podcast. This is a podcast centered around various topics from first-generation diaspora by hosting young professionals to speak on topics they are well-versed on. During this blessed month, we will be focusing on concepts to further our iman through topics selected from our own community. Thank you. Welcome back, guys, to the Lewis Murtho Podcast. On this episode, we'd like to talk about working on our spirituality when you're unable to fast, or what I like to call fast shaming. On this, this episode, we got um, Sammy, we got Inas, Nadi Ahmed, we got Yasmin Faisal, and my good friend Imam Abdullah Jabir, also the director of Care Georgia, all with us. Thank you for having us. This should be an interesting conversation that I feel like a lot of, like, you know, a good number of people can take something away from. I'm, I'm interested in having this conversation because a lot I don't know about this, right? And I kind of, as a, as a male's perspective, I'm kind of curious to see how y'all address this from y'all perspective. Mm-hmm. This isn't a male only, or this isn't Ooh. a woman centered conversation only. We don't. Uh, this is this is actually something that can happen to anybody. Yeah, that, exactly. Woman I think. Or male. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think this is um, very broad, and whether young, old, men, women, uh, born Muslim, new Muslim, we all come face to face with some sort of shaming within our, sadly, within our communities, mm-hmm. time to time. I mean, yeah, um, where would you guys even like to start with this? Because um, I know we're going to be touching on a few different things, uh, like, you know, women and um, our menstrual cycle and how that plays a part in how we, um, you know, how our Ramadan feels or plays out too, right? I guess we could just touch on just on the general thoughts about the stigma behind being able to fast um, and that kind of shame that tends to come with it when you're not able to fast i think we can you know yeah because there's different reasons why people aren't able to um fast like you know people have health health reasons right and um i like i've talked to a few people who you know whether they're diabetic or they have crohn's disease or whatever whatever it is that they're they're dealing with um to they they have faced some level of shame like whether they're at the masjid or whether they're at work um, whether they're amongst their own like community because they feel like there's they're like left out right like they feel like their ramadan isn't as worthy as the person as a person who's fasting that's actually like a really good point um just not being able to feel mm-hmm. like you're participating in ramadan because it's 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 the actions you know if you're not participating in the actions then what right. are you doing this Ramadan what what I guess shows that you're trying what shows that you're partaking in yeah and I feel like there's like different things that we need to unpack here too because number one it's like who who is causing you know them to feel left out right because that in itself is a problem you shouldn't be participating or contributing to someone feeling shame because you don't know exactly what's going on like we don't know what what's going on in people's personal lives right you could have like 
from from the five um, pillars of Islam, the only one that nobody's exempt from is is uh, prayer, right? But fasting is only uh, mm-hmm. an obligation for those who are able to carry it out, who are physically able to carry it out, right? So you, as a Muslim, should know that you should give your brother or sister the benefit of the doubt if you know that they're not observing, right? And and you should also know not to mm-hmm. overstep your boundaries and ask questions that can be very triggering or hurtful when you don't even know the person like that right like give your just give them the benefit of the doubt and know that they must be not fasting for a reason and even if they are just like Mm -hmm. there might be like not every single muslim observes ramadan and if that's what they want to do that's their business Mm -hmm. i think like the idea or this this assumption that someone's not fasting during ramadan Mm. means that they're a lost muslim or someone right. who doesn't know their deen or doesn't care about their deen it's detrimental the whole point of ramadan is exactly to do better for yourself to feel closer to allah and like mm-hmm. work on your spirituality but we tend to overlook that because mm-hmm. we think the actions are more important but something that i learned like back in islamic school was you can't practice islam if you're solely just doing the actions, you have to have that belief and that faith right. as well, that spirituality and vice versa. You can't do one without the other. The soul, the mind, mm-hmm. and the body all are tied together. So you can't just no, negate one. For sure. And for sure. Expect your faith to work. And I know that... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead no, no, I was actually about to pull you in and be like, because um, I know that there's... For those that are also wondering, you know, like, like if you are someone who's not able to physically uh, fast, um, what are other things that they can do? Because I know that there was like, there's a hadith that Aisha radiallahu anha um, discusses, like all the different types of things that you can kind of occupy yourself with or engage in um, to maybe fulfill that yeah. gap. Yeah, I th- you know, I, what I want to do is I want to kind of uh, go a bit deeper and talk about you know, as Muslims, when we can't partake in Ramadan or fast, we don't need you to remind us. Exactly. <laughs> we feel it. We all, so there is a natural inherent feeling of that spiritual FOMO, you know, that spiritual, the fear of missing out spiritually in the month. So when a sister or a brother, you know, can't do something because of whatever reason, somebody who's terminally ill, they could be young. I mean, I know people that are young, but they have a terminal illness and they can't fast. And it kills them inside. It kills them inside that they can't fast. And let's clarify something. That pain that they feel, that pain may be more rewarding in the, in the court of Allah than the fast of millions, right? Because at the end of the day, as the sister was saying, the essence is that your action be coupled with the spirit of that action. There's no point of us just doing action. I mean, and a non-Muslim can fast. You know, let's just say we're doing a fast upon. What's the difference between a Muslim fasting and a non-Muslim mm-hmm. fasting? Well, the difference would come about if there's the spirit. And the spirit is beyond just not eating and not drinking and stay away from intimacy. Right? And I think, you know, the, there's a natural pain that we all go through. You know, I've been ill, you know, when I was in, in my teenage years with a terminal illness, well, it's predicted to be a terminal illness, and there was a lot of things I couldn't do, right? And I remember going through those years and seeing my family partake in a lot of things that I wasn't able to partake in. And that was a time where I was actually rethinking what I was being told by therapists to rethink, uh, uh, you know, how I was going to live. 
rest of my life, being that I would I would I was you know told that I'm I'm going to be paralyzed from waist down, and that you know that that's something that a lot of other people feel that are unable to fast, whether it's men, women, uh, young or old. So I think that's there. You know, first addressing that there's a natural you know FOMO of spiritual uh, uh, you know m- missing out spiritually, and then we have the stigma of you know ignorant people who want to impress upon us. Uh, um, you know, they are their their erudition or their scholarship with regards to Islam. When I, in, in reality, it's just arrogance and uh, a great level of ignorance. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when it comes to um, when it comes to Ramadan or f- s- prayers, you know, beside I would actually say beside the first first one, which is La ilaha illallah, the the shahada, the the, the testimony of faith, all the other ones are conditional. All the other ones are conditional. If somebody's unconscious for a duration of time, they don't have to pray, and that the, those prayers are omitted. If somebody has a terminal illness or a sister who is in her cycle, monthly cycle, is forgiven, she can make it up at a, at a different time. When it comes to zakat or, or the obligatory charity, that's a specific amount. If you meet that amount, then you pay. Other than that, you don't. If it comes to hajj, it's, it's if you're financially and physically able then you go. The other four, they're conditional. They're conditional from God. So who the heck is a person to come and impress upon someone else, you know, and dictate to someone else? You know, I think it's very important for our listeners to understand that our dean addresses you at the very core of who you are. And that's you as a human being. Allah created you. Allah knows who you are. Allah knows your strengths and weaknesses. And that's why the Prophet Muhammad, our beloved Prophet, said that when a person is unable to fulfill his or her daily worship because of certain excuses, valid excuses, they get the same amount of reward. They're not missing out. You, yeah, that, um, that exact point was one of the things that there's like two main things I just wanted to say from all of this. And that was one of them, because even with um, I was reading this article and um, that was the first time. That, and I and I'm so mad because I saved the article and I went back to try to pull it up and it was it looks like it's been removed, um, and that was the first time that like my my shift like my view kind of shifted in terms of how I viewed um, like us women and like how we're treated like when we're on our period or even for people who are suffering from different illnesses right and we're exempt from doing certain uh, acts of worship and especially for like, you know, Ramadan, the last 10 nights, right? Like everybody wants to get, gain the reward of Laylatul Qadr. And whenever like someone uh, is, is not able to fast in those last 10 nights, when I read, it was saying something about how whatever your intention was to, to accomplish or, you know, whatever it was that you were trying to seek and you are not able to, to do it, God writes it um, based on his standards, is that, you know what I mean? Like he's writing it as like, as if you performed it with perfection, not even if like, not with like your flaws and your shortcomings, if you were, you know, actually able to engage in it, if that makes sense. Cause there's a lot of people who I know will be like, beat themselves up and they're like, dang, like, I'm not going to be able to gain the rewards of this month and taste the sweetness of this month. And you know what I mean? There's a lot of like people being so hard on themselves. I think a lot of it has to do with, we forget that there's more mm-hmm. that we can do exactly like ibadah like we we could do dhikr like read the quran understand what we're reading there there's a multitude of things that we can do throughout the month 
even if we're not able to fast. And I think that's something we tend to overlook. Right. Um, yeah. But we lose that motivation Very as true. well. And I guess the next question I have, and I hope Brother Abdullah might have some suggestions, would be how can we keep up our motivation throughout the month if we're not able to fast? What can we do to make sure that we make the most of this blessing? Yeah, I month? think, you know, and thank you for bringing that up. Um, so I want, I want to address one thing before I go to this. You know, uh, one of the common things that I saw earlier on when, you know, the, dealing with COVID and the coronavirus and the global pandemic, it has affected anyone and everyone. Um, it has affected us, you know, not only the month of Ramadan before, and it'll continue to affect us in our, you know, uh, professional life, in our family life, in our spiritual life, in our social life. It's affecting anyone and everyone. And may Allah have mercy on entire humanity and especially our family members, those who have lost their jobs, those who are struggling. May Allah make it easier for all of us. Mm-hmm. Having said that, mm-hmm. you know, when this, at the at the advent of everything, you know, one of the things that I found very difficult was so many people going around, oh, this is the punishment of Allah. This is the punishment of Allah. Allah is upset with us. Allah is displeased with us. I mean, it, let's just say that's true. By repeating it, what are you doing? Right? You're not, you're not, you're not proactively encouraging people. You're just scaring people. And then another thing that I saw was that it became like a global phenomenon where now we're seeing videos of people giving adhan and just crying. And people would then start crying. And again, taking faith and making the premise of faith something emotional. And one of my teachers said something very wonderful. And that's what I wanted to share is that, you know, at the time of the prophet, when there were certain, you know, a very bad storm and the prophet told the Mu'adhin, the one who gives the, the, adhan, the, call, the, the call for prayer, he told him that, tell the people, call the adhan as usual, but at the end, tell them, Sallu fi rihalikum, that pray within your residency, pray within your homes. And my teachers, you know, reminded me that, you know, just like praying in the masjid is the hukum of Allah, it's the command of Allah. Praying at home is also the command of Allah. So to go around and just tell people it's the punishment, 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 and not to remind them that, look, praying at your home, it's fine. I mean, we had masjid leadership that weren't accepting this. They were saying, no, we have to reopen, right? And, you know, I had to remind someone that, look, our faith in, in our faith, there are traditions where the Prophet said that if you eat something smelly, like an onion or a garlic, you don't go to the masjid because you may offend someone. If that's the standard that our faith puts, then how could you allow somebody who can have potentially be asymptomatic, carry the virus, and go to the masjid and endanger somebody's life? Right? I mean, that's our faith, man. That's the reality of our faith. It's so beautiful. It's so deep, Right? Now, going back to um, how we can engage, you know, one of the things that I've seen my mother do is, um, as I grew up, and obviously as I grew, I understood what she was doing. There, there, you know, obviously there are certain time of the month I would see her obviously not praying, um, or at times not fasting, but I would see there's an increased element of worship and that concept that the sister mentioned of ibadah. We forget what ibadah is. Ibadah or worship is anything and everything that can earn you the pleasure of your creator, the law of your creator, right? And there's a famous hadith or the narration of the prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, where a group of people come and say, oh, prophet of Allah, there are people amongst us who are wealthy and they are able to outperform us because they do what we do. They pray, they fast, but they have an element over us and they supersede us in that. 
how can we ever compete with them? And the prophet, his answer was, remember, you can give, you can, you can smile at somebody and that's charity. You can help somebody lift their, you know, uh, 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 luggage or, or their belongings and that's charity. Removing something from the path is charity. And he said, feeding something to your spouse with your hand, that's charity. And that's exactly what he did. He showed us something that's very, very important for all of us. In life, whether it's a spiritual issue, physical, professional, family, financial, there are two things that you have. There are things that you can do that are within your control, and there are, there are things that you can't do. Like, for example, in Ramadan, let's say a sister can't fast. Beyond her own inherent feeling of missing out spiritually, and then the ignorant people making her feel that stigma, that strong presence, you know, that she's doing something wrong, that can be overwhelming. And that negativity may lead us to focusing on the things that we can't control. Oh my God, I can't fast. What am I going to do? And remember in life, you have those two situations. There are always going to be variables that you can control and there are going to be variables that you can't control. We typically have a tendency from an evolutionary point of view, although Islamically we have some I guess, more detailed understanding what evolution is, but just generally speaking, from an evolutionary point of view, we have an understanding that humans, we have a negativity bias, right? Where we tend to focus on the negative, and that's usually because we have our sensors or our uh, guard up so we can protect ourselves. But because of that negativity bias, if you're walking down the street and somebody says, <clears throat> hey, you're really pretty, and then as opposed to somebody saying, you're really ugly, which one are you going to remember more, most likely? The negative. You're really, uh, yeah. The negative, mm -hmm. right? And that's because we tend to focus on things that we can't control, right? So like, for example, we can choose to focus on the fact that you're pretty, but we don't. We give into the negativity bias. Just as like in Ramadan, if, you know, when we can't fast, or when I can't do something, we focus too much on what we can't do, like the Sahaba or the companions are focusing. We don't have money, so we can't outperform them with, uh, in giving charity. So the prophet took a proactive st you know, step and said, but there are so many other things that you can do. And he's make, basically showing them to be proactive in life. Don't let the, 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 the emotions that come about by focusing on the, the variables that you can't control. Learn how to focus on things that you can control. And it goes back to the dhikr of Allah, remembering Allah, spending time with family, sitting down, reading a book, sitting down, loving yourself. Getting in touch with what is your relationship with yourself. That's worship. That's called ihtisabul nafs, taking yourself into account. Every form. Abdullah, right? that, there's so many things. Sorry, that was so creepy because I just posted something and I literally just said the exact, the exact same thing um, about like, you know, for, you know, those of us that may not be able to participate in like the, the traditional acts of worship, people forget that almost anything can be worship. You know what I mean? Like you sitting in mm -hmm, solitude mm -hmm. and you um, trying to like, you know, engaging in introspection, right? And like trying to figure out like, who am I as a person? Because this Ramadan is supposed to be like a, like a spiritual boot camp, right? To prepare you for the remainder of the year till the next Ramadan comes. And it's supposed to kind of like give you an opportunity to shed light on, you know, maybe your toxic habits, um, understanding who you are as a person, your relationship with Allah, right? Like the, the person, the one that we, sorry, the one that we are um, doing all these acts for. You know what I mean? Like, do we even know who we're, who we're, who we're actually worshiping? 
and like how do we view him what is our perception of who Allah is and do we have a healthy relationship with ourselves and so um but yeah I I I I definitely agree with what you're saying yeah I mean to touch on that whole aspect of like what you can control and what you can't control it just reminded me of the story that I just wanted to share um that really like hit me it resonated me made me think think of things in a way was that uh, when I heard that there was um, there was a story of this like very pious imam, very famous imam, um, he got imprisoned for something that he did, right? So obviously when he's in prison, he can't do his 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 usual worship, right? He can't go to the masjid like he was doing. He spent he spent a lot of time in the masjid. He's do a lot of ibadah, a lot of worship, but now he's confined to the to the to this jail cell. But his attitude and his spirit didn't change. His demeanor didn't change. Like when it was Friday, he he washed himself, cleaned himself as possible. Like he kept his same tradition, same ritual as if he was going to Juma. And he would just go to his corner and pray by himself. And the people that used to watch him, like, why are you doing this? Like, you, you're not go- you can't go to the masjid. He says, this is like, basically he was saying, like, this, this is what I can control. Like, I could do my best as far as my situation. Mm. So just like, just to share, like, yeah. just to share on the whole, what you brought up earlier, I thought it was very powerful. Like, you it's a, exactly, it's a mindset. Yeah. So that, that's not easy either. Like, a lot of us don't know how to change our mindset. And then the whole, the whole, the whole, go back to the whole stigma, right? This whole, this whole uneasiness, this whole, you know what I mean? This like, when you see somebody who's not fasting, I think a lot of it just comes down to, you know, ignorance, right? Like, where we don't know, like, these people have legitimate excuses. They have legit, valid reasons. You know what I mean? I, feel, I think we need to, as Muslims, to, like, learn more on our parts and know, like, hey, what they're doing is perfectly fine. And I, I was hoping, Mom, you could just, you know, touch on that. Like, you know, talk about that leeway that we do have that Allah gives us. And there's nothing wrong with taking it. Like, Allah wants things to be easy for us, right? Um, if you could, like, yeah, I think that that's exactly that's exactly what it is. You know, like I was saying with with you know this whole uh, uh, fad about people just crying while giving a then, and I understand there again there is that emotion, but the premise of our faith is not emotion, right? I mean, we're not talking about uh, um, going into the masjid, you know, listening to a choir and jumping up and down talking about the Holy Ghost got you. That's not what we're talking about. That's not our faith. You know, all respect to other faiths, but that's not our faith. Our faith is about being grounded. It's about having a relationship with Allah, with yourself, and with the world around you, right? And when we talk about ibadah, our, our faith is broad. You know, you can worship Allah in so many different ways. And also to understand that the excuses or the concessions that are given by Allah, by our deen, they're from the Quran, they're from the sunnah. And... Like, you know, people now having to pray home because our masajids are closed. They're so overwhelmed with the masajid being closed that they're not proactively thinking about how they can use that time at home to focus on that family that we have abandoned or neglected for so long. Or to focus on a relationship with our children that we have no relationship with at all, right? Because our thought is that, oh, you know, our faith relies on the masjid. To, to go back, the Prophet actually didn't have a masjid for 13 years out of his mission in Mecca. Although the Kaaba was there, that, it wasn't accessible for worship, right? I mean, he didn't have a masjid necessarily because our faith is not tied to brick and mortar or a specific place and time. You can be Muslim in the way you dress and that's rewarding. You can be Muslim and say, remember Allah when you get up and that's rewarding. You can be Muslim sitting there contemplating and that's rewarding. You know, the ways are innumerable, right? So to, for, for our listeners to, to remember, and for all of us to remember, then we think about relationship with Allah. There's so many different ways. Don't be harsh on yourself. Don't let the stigma overwhelm you. Don't let anybody else uh, deter you 
from your journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from our individual journey to Allah, right? So whether we're praying at the masjid or because of a danger, we're praying at home, praying at home is also the command of Allah, right? And I just want us to remember that. Yeah, it kind of goes back to like that, you know, that famous story of Umar bin Khattab when he was leading his, you know, his, his delegation towards an uh, area where there was a plague. And then he was asking, like, should we go in or should we go in? And I think that response was just so beautiful. Like when the, you know, when they, when they, when they decided to go back, they said, we're not going to enter this area because there's a plague. So, and then the commander that was there was like, are you running away from the hukum of Allah? Are you, are you running away from the decree of Allah? Like, this is what Allah ordered. And he said, no, I'm running away from the order of Allah to the order of Allah. So it just tells you, like, we got to, you know what I mean? Again, it comes back to ignorance, it comes back to knowledge, right? Like, how to apply this deen, how to have that wisdom and have that hikmah. And I think that we're all kind of missing. That's why we had that uncomfortable situations and uncomfortable scenarios when we see people as not fasting. Because we only know our little aspect of deen, right? We know we did certain things for so many years, and that's all we know, right? Mm-hmm. So when something comes norm to us, it's just like we kind of like react to it. Whether, whether we do it consciously, subconsciously. We kind of like mm, turn our face. We kind of give a little grin, or I mean, like we we judge, we have a little thought in the back of our mind, and I think that's like one of the things that we really got to focus in and work on as as far as people. Humans are judgmental creatures, and that's something we need to mm-hmm. be more aware of. We need to realize that we tend to judge people who aren't doing the things that we're doing, and it's wrong. Everybody's different, and we don't take into account other people's feelings we don't take into account other people's situations we think everyone's in the same boat as us and yeah if you're fasting and you are able to engage in all these acts of worship and you have like an even an inkling of something like rising in your heart where you're like have the nerve to look at somebody else like as less than you or like there's they're, they're doing something wrong like that you really need to like check yourself because you've missed the whole point of ramadan then you know what I mean? Like it's so I don't know. There's there's a lot of things that we um, need to kind of like work on and heal and overcome within our communities. Um, but this is a good starting point just to have like the conversation. Yeah, I mean it starts with maturity too, right? Like I'm not gonna lie. Like on our part, we I mean I know speaking from the a guy's perspective, we can do better on our part, right? Like I'm, I I messaged a girl like and I was like, how's your Ramadan going? And she's like, oh I'm taking a break. And then you know naturally I'm like. You know, I mean, it's just you, the maturity level has to be there, right? Like, not to make mm. jokes, not to, you know, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, right? Like, this is a, like, this is really what's going on, right? But it's just how we deal with it, how we handle the situation, also, um, etiquettes, right? As long as, like, uh, and mom, I hope you could shed light on as far as like how we treat each other, how we respect each other as as a human being, as a as a creation of Allah, and having that that other that respect for each other, and that's something I feel like we really need to explore a lot more of and, and really try to go into yeah that. i think you know again when it comes to judging it's it's something that we are uh, we you know we perpetrate also this is an individual struggle we judge people um, sometimes we judge our parents we judge our siblings um sometimes we utter it and uh intensify that that whole scenario other times we judge internally and therefore it affects the way we treat individuals although we may never verbalize it so it's an internal struggle, you know, and I think if everybody can focus on how can I avoid that, like when that sister said, you know, I'm taking a break, you chose not to respond, but, you know, have a, you know, a, a positive conversation, you know, for, for the very reason you called her just to check up and see how she's doing. And, you know, that's what it is. The other thing that I think is important is, yes, in our faith, 
you know, there is a narration of the prophet that our faith teaches us that we should always want, you know, the well-being of everyone around us. So whether it's a family, you know, a member or a friend or someone that we know that that's our acquaintance, the difference between what is advice and what is judgment, right? I think there's a fine line between what, what is considered advice and what is considered judgment. And judgment goes back to what the sister was saying, that if, you, if we end up looking at someone in, in a manner where we think they're lower than us, condescending manner, or that's vanity. The Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, said that it is enough for you to be considered a sinner that you look at your brother or sister in disdain. That's it. You know, you could be doing whatever you want. We can be doing whatever we want. But in the act of ours, if we look down on someone else who's not doing it, well, then the purpose, or going back to what the sister was saying, that the spirit of that worship is missing. There was a, there was a famous story about a, a, a scholar. Um, one night, he saw that his son got up early and he prayed to Hajjud. After he prayed to Hajjud, the night prayer, um, you know, it's a voluntary prayer. He came uh, to the, his father and he said, my father you know, what's wrong with the people of the town? They're, you know, deep in their slumbers, in their sleep, and they're not worshiping Allah. What's wrong with them? And his father made a statement that's so powerful. He said, my son, I wish you stayed asleep. I wish you stayed asleep rather than you get up and pray a few units of prayer and then pass a judgment of the people. Do you know that they may have been working all day earning a permissible income with their hands and now they're tired and their sleep is also counted as worship. Do you know that? Or that they are resting so they can go back and endeavor tomorrow to make a living, to mend something that they will outstrip you in your nightly worship, right? So always to remember that we're always, always it's, it's an individual struggle. But then again, you know, I think we should advise people, but advice it needs to be under, you know, it, it, the, the time and place needs to be measured. And one of the, one of the you know, things that I usually remind myself and, and my family and friends is that I always remember, connect before convince, right? People don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care, mm. okay? And that's very important, right? If, no, if somebody is not really soliciting your advice, they don't really, you know, you, you can tell, shut up move on, right? Have another conversation. Sometimes it's easier to solve a problem if you go around the problem, right? Than to go at it directly because maybe someone will be more accepting. I think that's another thing. You know, we, we should maybe, you know, uh, give positive advice. That's what the prophet taught us that if somebody's involved in something and you can positively get a, give advice, yes. What is, what, is, what is negative advice? If you're doing it publicly, no then you are in wrong. We are in wrong. If we're doing it in a way where it's humiliating someone, we're in wrong, right? I think that's very, very important. Another conversation I think that's important is because we know that we're going to be judged, that's just how life is. You're going to be judged. You go to a, you know, forget Muslim, not Muslim. You go for a job interview, you have a hijab on, you're judged already. As soon as you walk into the door, you, there's a judgment on you, okay? Um, you walk in and you're a person of color. Hey, there is, you're already labeled. Right. It's something that's everywhere. Right. Um, you, you are walking, you have a beard and a kufi on, you're judged. Right. You're judged. 
um, I, I remember one of the, uh, yesterday we were having a conversation and I think so Yasmin was mentioning, people ask, hey, like, were you born here, right? That's judgment because you have a hijab mm -hmm. on, right? Automatic judgment. Yeah. So, you know, I think another, another conversation that's uh, also practical would be, how do you overcome the fear of being judged? When you figure it out, please let me know, because that is something that I am struggling yeah. with. I think a lot of us are like so used to, I mean, I, or at least I'll speak for myself. You know, we, a lot of like how we move in life it has a lot to do with how we think we'll be perceived. And so um, I don't know, like it's, it's a work in progress. Um, and I think it's to some extent you need like a strong sense of like knowing who you are. Right. And so to give you that like confidence boost, but um, yeah, I don't know what, like Nadia, what do you, what would you say? I mean, I, the judgment, it's, it's interesting because it's not something that you can just avoid. You're going to feel terrible when you feel that, when you feel that judgment coming from someone and it takes it a lot. It, it It's harder to take that criticism or the, quote-unquote advice they're trying to give even though you know they're you're they're trying to help you but also the way that they're going about it is very wrong so it's just interesting because you're not as receptive mm. to it um when you feel that judgment so I think kind of I don't even know how to put it because it's, it it's just such a sensitive thing it, to everyone and how we deal with it one thing hard. that you just touched on like because we've experienced our own, right, obviously, um, situations where people are trying to come at us and say things to us about what they think we should be doing or not doing. And so that has made me more mm -hmm. attentive to how I interact with other people, right? Like, we have zero emotional intelligence, right? And so, so like, oh, for sure. I, I don't know if that will hope like I don't know if that like so I'm that's where I'm kind of starting with like I just make sure like I'm trying to make sure that I don't treat other people in that in that same manner so and like exactly. you know and yeah. then hopefully that would be kind of like a, a ripple effect or something I don't know along those lines I think that's definitely how I am in terms of it I try not to judge other people because I know if I were to be judged mm -hmm. I would feel some type of way right I'd, I'd feel hurt and that's something I don't want to do to other people. I don't want them to feel guilty or shame about something that they've done. I want them to understand where they can help right. improve themselves mm -hmm. in a sense without coming off as condescending right. or rude. Just because, you know, you want people to treat you how, or exactly you others how you're right, treated. Right. That's and, at, and at the root of it, I feel like um, us as humans, we're, we're wired for like human connection, right? And so we all want that space to feel seen and heard um, and feel like understood and, and have that freedom to be like, mm -hmm. I'm not perfect or like, you know what I mean? Just like, like Abdullah was mentioning, right? Like if, if people are, don't feel like you care about them, then you're not going to get anywhere. No, that's... That's actually, like, a good point. Because I feel like... I know, it's so hard. You're, like, you're stuck on your, like, you're trying we tend, to... <laughs> we, we tend yeah. to lose our humanity. Mm -hmm. We tend to lose our humanity. Like, we tend to be harsh because we expect everyone to be perfect. Yeah. But that's not the case. 
Like we're we're humans. We're bound to mess up, but it's just more so what steps yeah. are we taking? It doesn't help that we, we saw I, I oh. a conversation that me and Abdullah had before is like, you know, before we got to focus on being Muslim, we got to go back to being human first. Absolutely. Right? So being a Muslim just exemplifies the qualities of the good characters of being a human, right? Like it just beautifies it. And so we got to go back to the basics, really, man. And the good thing for us, we have a way of life that teaches, that shines, and shows us the, the perfect example. We have the perfect stuff that shows us the beautiful way. To, you know what I mean? I've heard so many stories with the Sahabas, like how they handle things, their character, the way they used to not make people feel judged. Like they just, like one story that, that really stuck with me a lot to this day. Um, and I don't know, I mean, what, what's the source for it or not, but I, I remember like, you know, Isa al-Islam, he had his band of brothers, like him and his disciples, like he had a group of people that were the, the holy, the holiest of the holiest, you know what I mean? They're the top notch, right? And then there was this one guy who just, he just wanted to change his life. He felt, he felt bad. He, he wanted to come back to Allah and change his life for the better. And then he came up to Isa and was like, can I, can I join your gang? Can I join your, your band? And the guy, the, the, the brothers around Isa, his, his disciples were like, you want to be in our presence? And then, like, but what I heard, like, the narration was, like, the angel came down and, and said, tell both of them to start over again. Tell that man who came to join them, start over. You're fresh. You're new. You're a new person. All your sins are gone. And those people who look down on him, tell them to start over. They lost all their good deeds, and they need to start from the beginning. And, like, those examples that we have in our lives, these principles of Islam or the deep, you know what I mean? And I feel like that, that's what we got to revisit. Yeah, another thing, you know, I'm just listening to this conversation is, I, you know, one of the things that I... Uh, would do more often, but um, have lessened right now is is provide counseling, religious mm-hmm. counseling. And sometimes I would um, sit with these wonderful, wonderful individuals or couples or families. And um, you know, judgment is either an in, uh, internal issue or uh, external. And what I mean by internal is that where we judge ourselves. Um, and what I mean by that is, in psychology, we have something called conditions of worth. And these are arbitrary standards that are set up by society, sometimes, yes, even our family. They're unhealthy standards that are set up by society, the school we go to, our friend circle, our profession, that we feel like we have to meet to be worthy. Okay. And sometimes, you know, that stigma of being judged or, or that pressure of being judged is so impactful that we start judging ourselves. And that's a very big problem. That can lead to depression, anxiety, to psychological damage. And that's something that we need to be uh, very aware of. And you know, if, if, if for anybody that's listening, if you find yourself there, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. Don't be afraid to talk to someone because you are worth it. You need to invest in yourself. And you know, on that point, if, you, if, if, if we are surrounded by people that judge us, whether it's our family at times, family members, hopefully it's not our entire family, but family members, uh, know that there's other family members that you can relate to and talk to. If it's friend circle, know that there's other friends or maybe you need to make new friends. The point is, if you find yourself constantly around people who judge you and they don't build you and they don't encourage you and they don't beautify your life, they're not contributing to your life. You need to get out of that relationship. You need to step away from that. You need people that will love you for who you are, that will allow you to grow uh, for who you are, that will age you, that contribute to your life, right? Um, so 
I just wanted to throw that in there that when we talk about judgment and things like that, sometimes it can go so deep as where it's not actually people judging us. It's now we're judging ourselves and we're beating ourselves. That's, that's such a beautiful, beautiful point, um, Abdullah. I'm glad that you brought that up because bec- with, with um, Ramadan being in quarantine, um, it's given me a lot of time to really like process like how do I want Ramadan to look like for me or you know what I mean and um, I think I really hope that moving forward that there's a shift in how all of us observe this month um, because I feel like we we get out of it and we're still like the same people except that we can just say oh I read the whole Quran and I memorized like all these du'as and hadiths um, but then like they're also the same people that during Iyam we're talking badly about another person Right. And I know that this whole time, I'm glad you touched on the mental mental health, too, because we've been talking about people who are exempt for like health, uh, physical health reasons. Right. But there's a lot of our brothers and sisters who are suffering like mentally and emotionally. Or there are people who come into this month feeling very, very disconnected to God. Right. And so and they might have a hard time just praying their five prayers and then they're watching everybody else praying all their sunnah prayers. And then they start like that self-comparison. And then that will make them feel it go even like deeper into that rabbit hole of like dark thoughts and feeling hopeless so i feel like there's a there's a some component like there's like a level of like deeper understanding of what ramadan really is and what it's what it's supposed to like what it's here to serve how it's supposed to serve us brother abdullah one thing you mentioned was you talked about how fasting and our health and how if we're not supposed to, or if it's going to affect our health and we're not able to fast, that we should be able to accept it. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, or ask is, um, if we feel like our illness isn't that severe, or we feel that our doctor is um, exaggerating our illness, Mm. should we go against what our doctor says Um. and try to fast? Yeah, I think, uh, well, first of all, I'd say you can go against your do- what your doctor said if you're a doctor. <laughs> if you're not a doctor, then just listen to your doctor. That's why you went to them in the first place. But yeah, this, this does seem to be a problem at times, especially with elders in our community. Um, so in Islam, the idea of tadawi or the idea of seeking medical help, it's optional, right? Because again, it's something that you, um, you, you know, you have the autonomy of, of going, listening. Um, so again, the, the advice of doctors or the recommendations of doctors, you know, when it comes to uh, individuals, you have the right to enact or you have the right to refuse. If you have the right to enact, we hope that there will be certain health benefits. And if a person uh, refuses, then we are afraid that there will be certain, um, you know, mishaps with regards to that individual's health. And when it comes to Ramadan, when there is a you know, a qualified doctor, which is generally any doctor, practicing doctor, and they understand the value of what Ramadan means to you. And they say, hey, look, you know, like, I mean, I remember my wife, for example, um, last Ramadan, when we were expecting uh, our child, my wife was told by the doctors, you shouldn't fast because, you know, your, your child is developing. And this was really mm-hmm. painful for her. And then I had to kind of help her as much as I can with my family, my other family members and my in-laws to kind of convince her because, you know, she's, she, she really wanted to fast and she had so many plans and, you know, she was in, uh, she was going to school at the UGA at that time, uh, uh, the university. And with this, a lot of those things were coming to a stop because of the doctor's advice. 
right? Mm -hmm. So A, I want, I think it's important for us to understand that person who is being told that they need, they're going to need your help to come to terms with that, especially if they're elderly. I mean, I've seen my grandmother till now, she's 96, alhamdulillah, and she's still fast. And she has been told for the last 20, 30 years not to fast, you know? But she will mm -hmm. shout and scream and yell at everyone because to her, her faith is, is, is it's synonymous to fasting. Her faith is synonymous to praying, you know. So, you know, mm -hmm. I think remember that as caregivers, if there are elders or just family members, go on that journey with them and respect what they, you know, what they decide, right? Although you may mm -hmm. not come to terms with it. But when it comes to individuals, I would highly encourage for other individuals uh, you know, take heed of what your doctor said, because again, if the doctor is excusing you, most likely, you know, if you're able to talk to a, a, a religious scholar and sit down with them, they'll let you know that, look, you are excused for now. And then later on, you can make it up, you know, um, as, as time comes. Yeah, it can get very tricky, though, because I don't know why, but especially with the older generations, they when they're told that they can't fast for whatever reason, it's like they're acting like, someone's trying to punish them right like they're acting like they're they're going against what like god or something and so um it's just very interesting to see how they like process it and how how much effort they put into trying to like fight against it um yeah i think it's that's exactly what it is you know that's exactly and that's what i was saying like with them their faith is very synonymous to that it's like if they don't have that then then their faith is in question and, you know, when it comes to understanding the finer aspects of what the deen is, that Allah wants ease with you and not difficulty, they were, they, you know, they don't, they don't know that, you know, and so it's, but, their understanding of faith is very, very cultural heavy. Exactly. That's what makes it very difficult to get that message across. So that's what I was saying, that go on that journey with them and see if you can convince them, right? But if you can't, then also have that grace to step back and respect their, their decision. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I think it also goes back to that that idea of shame. I'm not as fully practicing as I should be, or I'm not able to complete everything that Allah has asked of me. And it just, it all ties back to the shame and the judgment and feeling less than, which is, is something that they shouldn't feel, you know, because they've spent all these years doing um everything asked of them or trying to do what's asked of them you know but it's also maybe it has but, to do with like how like the faith was introduced to them you know what i mean like they're they're being told mm -hmm. that if you don't do certain things and you're not a good enough muslim no, you know what i mean yeah. but like exactly what abdullah was saying there's so much it's like cultural heavy mm -hmm. and so um because if we knew if we properly understood like everything that that we're faced with is 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 not a form of punishment you know what I mean? Like, this is just something that you're being tested with. And, th and there's other ways to kind of go around, like, you know, fulfilling um, your duty to Allah. I think it's also like a sign of mercy, too. Because if you're if you're if you have this illness, if you have. Um, I, I don't even know, like, not only illness, but if you if something is preventing you from being able to complete this um, action, this, yes, yes, exactly. God, God is blessing you. God is allowing you to not exert yourself, to not um, put yourself through harm. 
because he knows like you you're not able to take that's it. exactly out. what it is but not but we don't know how to look at it in that way and i'm glad that you mentioned that because the the article i mentioned earlier um i really love the way that it like for example you know you know it's like uh, nadia like us as women you know when it comes to like sh- being feeling shame for being on that mm-hmm. time of the month for example right mm-hmm. we've always viewed it or at least myself i've always viewed it as like oh we're so dirty we're impure it's like don't step that's that's how that's how it was presented exactly to me, actually, yeah like you're not supposed to do anything holy in exactly like we're you're you're not pure at this point of time like that's exactly how it was presented to me in islam exactly school. you're not technically pure. though right mm-hmm. wait hold on let, well let us finish hold on what no. i'm trying to say so it's like um <laughs> You you're 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 like absorbing like this like very negative emotion. It's like this is a natural part mm-hmm. of life. Like we didn't ask for exactly. this. This is God's like will. Like he's this is we, we have no control over this and this is happening. And um and what I really loved like what you just said like the mercy. You know it was funny how I put things into perspective in the article because if you pay attention, especially because there's every woman uh, deals with her own level of pain during that time of the mm-hmm. month and there are some who are like in excruciating pain that they have to like be in bed all day they have to get like a doctor's note to be exempt from class and work um and it was saying how if you notice nobody else really has any empathy for you when you're it's that time of the month right like your job isn't going to be like oh like go stay at home and take as much time as you need um you're gonna have to take sick days right um it's like yeah. there's literally no one i mean aside from yourself and maybe like a couple of your girls are gonna show you that empathy like no one no one knows what you're actually feeling inside of your body like mm-hmm. how uncomfortable like there are days when it just hurts to sit down right exactly and so this was actually a form like this is not god telling that like we're not being exempt from fasting because god thinks we're dirty he's he's saying like i i know what you're feeling and i know like the, the difficulty that you're going through. So this is a mercy from me to, to mm-hmm. exempt you from having to endure this. Right. Cause it would be, can you imagine fasting and like not being able to take your pills or whatever it is that you need throughout the day to like be able to walk straight? You know what I mean? And then on top of that, there's also other factors that go into it. Cause I, I think people tend to forget that time of month also does bring out certain emotions. Exactly. Um, oh, we don't forget, yeah. Some oh. people are more prone to depression during those yeah, times. Yeah, for sure. Mental health is affected. For sure. So fasting on top of that, plus all. By the way, stuff. don't be afraid to say hormonal because I'm. T- I hate that people hijack that word and made it something as like they try to use it as a weapon against us to shame us and be like, "Oh, it's the time of month you're so hormonal." It's like, yes, actually, my hormones are completely out of balance, and we're mm-hmm. juggling that with having to deal with. You know, we still have to go about our day, day to day. So I know for a fact, if I'm like, if they had to endure even like five seconds of the pain that we're sitting, suffering through, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, and I, that is something I really want that to end too. Like that shaming, the mocking people trying to like be little, like, you know what I mean? Make us feel like, oh, we're like weak and uh, we're, we don't have any control. Like you don't know what we're going through. So you don't, I'm actually, yeah. I'm actually curious to mean like, have you ever had to hide the fact that you're not able to fast? Oh, absolutely. I always went feeling like I'm, that's something that I, like, even though we're allowed to eat, we, most of us don't even end up eating. Like we have to still hide it because you're afraid of like what people are going to say or what they're going to think mm-hmm. or how you have to explain yourself. But now I do not care. I like, 
one time a few years back, I was in Ethiopia did Ramadan and I, my brother saw me eating. He's like, oh, why aren't you? I was like, oh, I can't fast. And then somebody was like, mm-hmm. why would you? I'm like, what? He's fine. He'll, he needs to exactly. know. Like, if we're not, like, if he's not having this conversation exactly. with his sister, he's going to be going out there in the world and seeing some, like, offensive. What's going to happen when he gets exactly. married? Exactly. What, what's going to happen when he gets married and he sees his wife eating? He's going to think that she's not a practicing or Muslim or something. Or not even before he even gets to marriage, even when he encounters, like, when he's uh, engaging with his friends who are women. And not like not having like Absolutely. the proper, proper like not knowing how to have like a a respectful way of going about like you know what I mean like so I'm over this like these taboo topics and people having to tiptoe around things. This is I'm not saying be all open and talk about like everything you're dealing with, but there's no there shouldn't be no. any shame to be like I can't pray or I can't fast. But I think I think that these are very important things that we don't talk yeah. about. We just kind of sweep them under the rug. Yeah. And put on this kind of face. Like, I, re- I remember uh, whenever my grandpa moved in with us, um, it was Ramadan one year, and I, I wasn't able to fast that week. Like, mm-hmm. I, but I wasn't able to be in the kitchen and drink or eat or do anything because my mom was always like, Your grandpa can't. Yeah. <laughs> he can't, he can't see, he can't see you drink water. He can't see this. He can't yeah. see that. And I was just like, then where am I supposed to go? Where am I supposed to, what, what, how do I, do I just stay in my room? Yeah. But where's the water? Where's the food there? You know? And it's just like, I can't tell you to leave a room. Yeah. Just so I can (laughs) or do something. But also it's just like, I don't know. Like the fact that we have to hide, it just seems a little ridiculous to me. Cause yeah, it's like you're denying a part of yourself as if like we're doing something out of the ordinary or we're doing something to inflict ourselves. You know what I mean? Like this is a natural part of life this no exactly i i don't know it's just interesting because there's a lot of shame around it people 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 tend to forget that if someone were eating in front of you and you're fasting but they have a valid reason you're you're getting good deeds you're you're not you're not it's not negatively impacting you Mm, yes you might feel a little hungry you might want a taste or something But at the end of the day, like, you're actually racking up good deeds mm-hmm. if you see someone who's not fasting eating in front yeah. of you. But, I mean, it, obviously, I'm not saying, like, go out of your way right. in front of someone's, <laughs> yeah, like, face. Like, yeah. I, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, like, if you guys are out in public and you decide to grab something to eat or if, if you're at home in the kitchen and you're tasting things as you're cooking or something like that, I don't see a problem Yeah. Unless you're actively trying to like, make someone feel their hunger. Yeah, then that's a whole other issue. That's another yeah. topic, and that's something you need to work on. Yeah, no, but, um, yeah, and although I, I, I heard you trying to make your little sick remarks, and I, and I hope you knew, realize no, we intentionally no. were, like, disregarding it, because it's not I funny. Just, I just, it's, not, not, it's not. It's not at all. It's, it's, it's not even, not even yeah. funny. Yeah, I don't know it's why. It's not. It's... Guys make me sick. I don't know why we do it. <laughs> no, you are the... People like you that are the problem. I'm sorry. This is something we need to talk about on a different episode. (laughs) And we will. We will handle that. The good thing thing about Otto that I appreciate from Otto is that he's someone who he says a lot jokingly, but he he's so like willing to just admit when he's wrong and he's very, very big on like like maturing and like um listening to what people have to say and being enlightened and then he'll be like damn like i effed up and that wasn't right and he'll like you know what i mean like he's, he he holds himself accountable i would like to see a little bit more of that i would like to see a little bit 
Just keep 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 focus on this what we're doing, right? Yeah. No, I, I think that this is a great segue into the next topic. I, 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 episode. I, 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 yeah. So let me let me let me let me wrap this up, all right? Let me just say that look, okay, as far as eating in front of people, like personally I don't think that's a problem, right? Like for me, I always have the mindset, like the bigger the test, the bigger the work. So if somebody's eating in front of me while I'm fasting, I'm not gonna get mad, I'm not gonna offend it. That's, that goes against the nature of my fast, right? You gotta have patience, you gotta you're gonna be tough, right? So that's not a I think that for, for personally speaking, it's the transparency, right? As far as like if I see somebody like my sister or somebody they're not they're eating. And I mean at the back of our minds, we're not thinking about that cycle, like it's not a big part of our lives, right? So we we forget. You know I mean, so I know it's a big part of your lives. It's always on your mind. So, how, but how it's not have... only the cycle. That's the that's the thing you're forgetting. Yeah, but no, but so someone my, could I think, be a diabetic. Yeah, 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 exactly. But for that specific example, right, specific one, right? Um, I think like the way that they react to it, like when you ask them, like, "Hey, why why are you eating?" and it's a weird, awkward, like you know, what I mean, then you got it. As a, I mean, should me, people even think. ask that question though? Like, I feel like people shouldn't even should. ask why somebody is eating or not doing something. I feel like that's I, I, that's it, the problem. It's personal, yeah, it's a personal thing. Like, I, I personally, your fast is between you and Allah. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to know why you're not fasting. If you choose not to fast, and you're someone who's not a woman, and I see you not fasting, I'm not going to question it. We're curious. I'm not going to say it. Huh? It might not be our right to do it, but we're curious by nature. I mean, like... We were, but, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's not our business. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's, it's not our just, business. We need to know our place. Mm-hmm. Not, like, if you see somebody eating when, when you can't eat, just, your mind, it's, it's, it's just, it just goes through automatically. Like, okay, but also let it let it be on the relationship you have with that person, too. If yeah. it's someone like your sister, okay, fine. But if it's someone who's like you don't know not like that, family, yeah, or someone that you're not this, that close every, to, every girl's my sister in Islam. No, auto. No, 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 people like <laughs> anyway, you are. There's a, lot, there's a lot to go about this. There's a lot to unpack on this. <laughs> I think that, you know, this has been, a, this has been an interesting talk, an interesting journey, and I think I, I took a lot from this, and I really appreciate having that conversation. Like, like Nadia was saying, we, there's, there'll be a continuation of this conversation. We'll see what the people have to say after listening to this episode and what else they would like to hear being discussed or, you know, dive into a little bit more. Yeah, man, man may God give us the maturity to deal with this issue. Mm. And the may God give you... This has been another episode of the <laughs> podcast. Thank you for joining in. Thank you for, 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 for taking part and being with us. If you made it this far, we appreciate y'all. And please tune in for the next episode. All right, guys. Thank you, our guest, Imam Bella, for joining. All right. Salam alaikum, guys. Bye. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us.